Hello, this is Gabe Dunn. And Allison Raskin from the podcast Just Between Us. And guess what? If you've ever wanted to hear an unedited, unfiltered version of the show, you can see our live show at moment.co slash justbetweenus on February 13th at 5 p.m. PST. We are hosting a Valentine's Day spectacular with some really fun guests, some questions from the audience, and a unhinged version of our favorite game show, Hypotheticals. Also, if you want to come meet and greet us, you can do so on February 16th, and you can get tickets all at the same place, moment.co slash justbetweenus. And if you can't watch it live, you can get tickets, and you'll be able to watch it for seven days after the show airs. So you might be thinking, normally I listen to this show for free, and now you're asking me to pay. And that's true, yes. But (laughs) what's exciting is it's unedited, it'll be raw, it'll be fast, and... um, It'll be video. Exactly. Plus, it's an exclusive show that you won't be able to see anywhere else unless you go to moment.co slash justbetweenus. Happy Valentine's Day. Or not. Forever. (laughs) Dog. Just between us. Hey. Just between us. Hey. Hello, I'm Allison Raskin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and I cut myself shaving way too often for how long I've been shaving. Hey, I'm Gabe Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and um, all I do is win, win, win no matter what. <laughs> okay. So up top, we would like to address something, which is we are no longer having BetterHelp be a sponsor on this show. We actually have been hearing all of you with your concerns about this. Basically, we we had wanted to get out of of the The contract contract, a long time ago, but for, for business reasons, and basically we couldn't. But as soon as we were able to without without like causing a big impact to our network. We ended our contract with them. We have definitely heard and appreciated all the gentle call-ins about BetterHelp. And now we're done. And we're done. That's not to say that therapy isn't a great, wonderful resource, but it seems like maybe that app is, is not necessarily the way to go. But we still are very much encouraging mental health resources, Mm -hmm. finding a therapist if you are able to, looking into group therapy if Mm -hmm. individual therapy is too expensive or difficult. Reading books. Devin Price's book is amazing. Psychoeducation on your own, all of that. But we do apologize that that the campaign went on for longer than we had hoped, but you will no longer hear us uh, promoting them on the show. Yeah, I've seen all the TikToks y'all made. <laughs> and if you don't know what the problem is, head on over to TikTok where we have been called in. <laughs> <laughs> this is just between us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games, and brutal honesty from both us and the fans. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> and we love truly. it. Gabriel, can you pull your mic closer? I love when Melissa calls me Gabriel. <laughs> Isn't it? So did I say why the whole, why I changed my name? Or did I say the, so I I chose Gabriel. Hi, I have a new name. We've, it's been addressed, but I chose Gabriel also because it's version of my dead name. And also because I like the angel Gabriel. And that was like a little bit of what my dead name was about. And then I chose a middle name 
based on what my dad wanted to name a son that he never, he had two sons, but then if me or my sister were going to be a boy, he wanted to name us after one of us after the 1953 cowboy movie, Shane. So uh, he's been, so it's Gabriel Shane and he's been, shout out to my dad. He's been great. He's been um, super supportive. And uh, and anyway, so I love when Melissa, call, it's going by, I'm going by Gabe, but I like when Melissa's been referring to me as Gabriel. It's been cute. <laughs> uh, we've got a really great show for everyone today. Yes, we're going to be talking to Tara Reed all about her company, Apps Without Code. And Allison and I finally learned what coding is. Kind of. (laughs) And later we're going to be talking all about gender reveal parties. Yeah, speaking of names. (laughs) But first, we have got to answer a listener's question. And you know what that means. Hit it! International question! International question! International question! In a pickle, Australia. Oh, a pickle. They gave a fun name. Like, Like, it's a... Dear Abby column. I oh, love yeah, it. They, they hey. wanted to say to be called in a pickle if we read this on the pod. I know. That's why I sang it. Okay, great. Very exciting. Okay. Hi, Allison and Gabe. This is Anonymous from Sydney, Australia. Would love to stay anonymous, but you can call me in a pickle if you happen to read this on the pod. <laughs> Want to start off by saying big longtime fan. Love you both. Here is my pickle of a question. Am I in an unhealthy friendship if I'm always the ones making plans slash thinking of fun things to do? Mm. Here's some background. I'm in my early 20s right now. And in recent years, from graduating onwards, I've almost always been the first texter, plan initiator, ideas person in many of my friendships, and especially in many close friendships. In the past, friends slash friend groups have heavily relied on me to initiate contact, make plans, and organize meetups. I don't mind taking on this role from time to time, as I do find it fun to think of creative ideas to do fun things, but often I find myself questioning whether they value my friendship as much as I value theirs. This has been particularly difficult for me at times, as I've often been rejected by friends who say they are, quote, too busy to meet and offer times to meet weeks slash months later. I understand that people have different priorities and schedules, but often these seem unreasonable. Either this or most of my friends expect me to text them first to schedule meeting up. In fact, I often feel that many of my friendships would fall apart if I wasn't the first person to reconnect. And I've often felt isolated in the past when I haven't initiated reaching out. To add some further context, as a kid in primary school, school years K through six, I didn't really have many friends and was bullied in my younger years. But by some miracle of self-confidence, I remained content in myself and happy in my solitude. By the time I reached high school, school years seven to 12, I kind of cracked the code of fitting in and made a lot of friends. I've also taken on a similar persona in my adult life where I'm nice to everyone, make friends easily, but also value my alone time. I'm aware that my childhood experience of feeling like I needed to make people like me to not feel lonely is probably playing into my friendships today. How do I know when I should reach out versus let my friends reach out to me? I'm so afraid that if I leave the ball in their court for too long, I'll lose a lot of my friends. Would really appreciate your insight slash advice. Thank you so much for reading my question Wishing you, Allison, all the best for your new book and Gabe all the best for your transition. Also, if you ever come to Sydney, Australia, it's pretty great here. I would be happy to be your tour guide. I would love to go to Sydney, Australia. Oh, my God. Me too. I'm afraid of the bugs. They what? Got, they got some big bugs in Australia. I'll be honest. But other than that, I'd love to go. Okay. What do you think about this? Oh, I think it sucks. Um, 
I think it totally sucks. I get the whole like, okay, let's let's hang out in a week or let's hang out in a month or whatever. And like, I definitely do say yes to that of people that I am sort of asking to hang out that night. I don't know. It's so hard because it's hard not like it's hard not to take it personally. And also sometimes I don't want to make people paranoid because I usually say it's not about you. But sometimes it it is about you. And that's tough. Like I have certain friends that are very persistent. And if they are persistent, I do hang out with them. And usually it's totally fine. I don't know why I sometimes am like, this is going to be a slog. And then when I do hang out with them, it's not a slog at all. And that's, I don't know what's wrong with my brain. But I, so I'm always like, oh, it's not about you. They're busy. But like, but like, then I have people where I'm like, it is about them. Oh my God. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know what, like, but then it's like, can't you just, you know, like, I don't know. Like, so I think there's a big difference between friends who you are the first one to reach out. But then when you do reach out, they get back to you and are excited to hear from you and make a plan. Yes, definitely. Those are just people who like, that's just the dynamic and it's annoying, but I don't think it, I think it's worth you continuing to sort of like keep up your pattern in the dynamic. Yeah. Then there are other people like Gabe alluded to where like it's really hard to pin them down and they're giving you dates that are like so far in advance Mm -hmm. and they take forever to get back to you and then they cancel on you and that's different. So I actually think that like it would be helpful to not try to lump all of your current friendships into one category. That's what I was trying to say, but I ended up being mean about it. (laughs) (laughs) And instead sort of say, okay, who are the people that I do see frequently? They are responsive. When I'm with them, I really enjoy them. But the one thing is I tend to be the one to reach out. I tend to be the one to make plans. Right. Right. I think that that's just unfortunate, but like it's worth keeping up, you know, like I'm often the one in the majority of my friendships that initiates hanging out right now. If I ask to hang out with two different people and and they haven't gotten back to me. Yeah. Is that upsetting? Definitely. Sure. Sure. (laughs) But like I'm just like, okay. But then I also today reached out to one of my best friends and she immediately wrote back and was excited to hang out. Like, do I reach out to her? to book a plan way more than she reaches out to me. Absolutely. But like it's the responsiveness and it's the fact that we still hang out frequently that makes it okay. Okay. My brain is so bad at asking to hang out. Like I, you ask, you have invite me to things and then I like, I'm like, oh my God, of course. But like my brain never says to ask people to hang out. You never ask me to hang out ever. My brain never asks people to hang out. If someone asks me to hang out, I'm like, oh, my God, amazing. But my brain never, never reaches, never is like, when should we hang out? Well, we went, you know, over a month without seeing each other in person. And and I asked you to we wanted to come over for Christmas Eve and you said you couldn't. And then you didn't try to make a plan. Right. Right. (laughs) I could have said no, but let's see each other another time. But that's not occurring to me until right now. Right. And so then I kept being like, well, should I reach out and try to make a plan? But then I was like, I don't know. They seem busy. I'll just check. I'll just text. But then but then you'll be like, oh, I finally I'm seeing you. And I'm like, so they did want to see me. It's very confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and I get that. I get that. I try. I have to like really think about. Like, I, it just doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't enter my brain. Like, 
I think it's like the same way that I had to learn how to be like, and how are you? Mm -hmm. Like, but then I'm like excited to see you. And when you did ask me to come over, I was like, oh yeah. And I'm like, I enjoy John. Like we should go on like double date. You know what I mean? Like I, I do want to hang out. It's just, I don't know why it doesn't occur to me. And also I think I try to create situations where like everyone hangs out. So I'm sort of like, oh, come over and watch Drag Race, like a group. But then you don't watch Drag Race or like. I'll You've try- never invited me to watch Drag Race. Do you want to watch Drag, Drag Race? Race? I don't know. It depends. Well, I don't like to hang out at night. Okay. So. <laughs> so. Well, I'll hang out. I don't like it. Well, okay. Let me clarify that. <laughs> on the weekend, I can hang out at night. But okay. I don't think I'd want to go like on a weeknight and watch TV at someone else's home. I want to watch TV at my home on on a week sure. on a weeknight. Sure. But if it was like, oh, we're having a big viewing party on a Saturday night for Drag Race, yeah, I'd go to that. Well, it's hard with the pandemic, but yes, you know. <laughs> but I actually think with our dynamic, having been friends, then having had the falling out, then now yeah. being friends again, I when we were friends, I would initiate the first time. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I would initiate all the the hangouts. Yeah. And now I don't do that anymore. And we don't hang out. <sighs> Have you noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, like, no, but I want to. Like, I, like, I'm like, oh, we should, like, go on a double date. We should. I would have, if it wasn't Drew's birthday, I would have come to your Christmas thing for sure. Like, I don't know why my brain doesn't. Maybe it's fear of rejection. Like maybe I don't because also people have to be so persistent with me. Like one of my friends, Keely, will like I'm it's not that I don't want to hang out with her. It's just she has to like ask so many times. And then and I've never asked her how she feels about this. And then like yesterday we hung out. But like at I didn't she was like, do you want to hang out Thursday? I didn't respond. Then she was like, yo, what's up for tonight? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then she was like, OK, well, I'm going to drive to this place. And I was like, I'll be there. <laughs> like I had like. But see, I think what I realized was I don't like dealing with that. So like yeah. in this new version of our friendship, like I don't bother to do that because yeah. like it's it's like I'm like if they want to hang out, then like I'll let them reach out to me because I know that we'll like I still text with you. We still like talk almost yeah. every day. I still like see you for work. But I like decided that for me in this dynamic, it's better for me just to like not put that on because it was making me feel like. I, I didn't want to get back to how it used to feel when it was like rejection. Do you know what I mean? Or that it was like all on me to maintain the friendship part of our relationship. Well, I know that's okay, but I think it's worked out like because yeah. our friendships kind of changed. We're like, yeah. we have like a much more of like a, a texting friendship and then we work versus like we used to hang out socially a lot more than yeah. we do now. Well, I, I moved to the West Side, so no. The West Hollywood is not the West Side. Yeah, I'm in West Hollywood, so I'm closer. Yeah, you to are you. closer, but I wouldn't call it the West I'm Side. Cl- well, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm, cl- I'm closer to where you live. That's true. That's and true. I have to start trying to like ask people to hang out more or be more. I don't know why. I guess I feel like maybe people like it when you ask. Yeah. Or maybe you know what this person could do? They could say, "Hey, do you want to hang out?" And then they could say the other person. Do you, what do you want to do? Oh, yeah, because I mean, there's a difference between initiating and then and always doing the all the thing. planning. Yeah, planning the whole thing. Right. So I think that like if the planning is kind of burning you out, I think like, yeah, like totally sort of like try to share that responsibility. But I do think for the friends that are really responsive when you reach out, it's worth just continuing to even though it's like objectively annoying. 
Yeah. I always feel better when I do. And I always think sometimes people are like really surprised. Like they'll be like, oh, that's so nice. Like I have to really, I have to make an effort to get closer with people that I see all the time in like groups. Mm. I gotta, I, cause I hang out in groups a lot. Like I my, never hang out in a group. Yeah, I know. You we've talked about how I have a group of friends. Right. And like that that's like John you know, kind of has a group of friends that now I hang out with, but I don't have I don't have a group that I initiated. Yeah, you have like individual friendships versus I have like th- the crew, you yeah. know. So like <laughs> Well, I have a crew. It's Phantom and Sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I got the I got I got the boys. I got a canine crew. Um but you got to like find out too. like one of my friends I didn't realize this like Carly was like, I love running errands. Like if you want to, if you're ever running errands and you want like someone to run errands with you. And I was like, oh, I never would have thought of that. That's really nice. Okay. Yeah. I wish there was more friendship stuff where you could just like do like chores together instead of just like having to go to a meal. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I think, you know, it's tough, but I think, I think really looking at it on a relationship by relationship basis instead of like a grand sweeping I'm gonna do this or not yeah in general might be helpful but and just like reminding yourself that like every friendship is different Mm -hmm. and like as you continue to make friends in your life something that you can look to and value is finding people who do reach out Mm -hmm. right so like maybe you have your friends that exist now but like it doesn't make sense for you to add another new friend who won't reach out like in the future, yeah. as you create new friendships, that could be something you really value and look for. Also, sometimes joining something that happens weekly is nice because mm-hmm. like, you know, joint like how we all watch Drag Race or or The Bachelor or like how Alex is on a dodgeball team. Like it's something where you don't have to. Nobody's making the plan. You're all just hanging out and it's like equal. Not one person's responsibility. Yeah. So we hope that helped. If you want to submit an international question, you can send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. Up next, we've got an exciting interview with our highly esteemed guest, Tara Reed. So stay tuned. Also, do you want to go on a double date? Okay. Just between us, it's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, most controversial segment known to all of podcasting, Tough Questions. This week on the show, we have Tara Reed, the CEO and founder of Apps Without Code, which teaches people how to come up with app ideas and build them without writing any code, which is amazing. Hello. <laughs> welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. We're so excited to talk about this. I have to say, I I am not the tech person of this duo. I don't really even understand what it means to code. So I'm excited <laughs> to get into this. There we go. Good. We'll talk about it. Oh, my God. Okay. So what is your background, first of all, in, in this whole world? Okay. So my background is in tech, but not in developing and apps and coding. So I've worked at Google, I've worked at Foursquare, I've worked at Microsoft, but on the business side of those organizations. And so I was working my nine to five job at the time when I started my entrepreneurial journey, I was working at Microsoft and I had just like an idea that I wanted to launch and put out into the world, but I had absolutely no idea how to make it and get it going. And I didn't really trust myself to like articulate it to a coder and them actually get back exactly what I had in my head. Like I was like, I don't, it gets lost in translation so much. I don't know. 
And I didn't have $20,000 to hire someone to help me do it. And so I was just kind of getting stuck. And I stumbled upon this option of building apps without code, which has been really helpful for me. How, what, what do you mean stumbled upon it? How, where is it? How did you do it? <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so this is what I mean when I say building an app without code. So there essentially are software tools where you can like take your idea and drag, drop, point, click to make the app design. Like you're making a PowerPoint presentation. Like you drag what you want onto the page and then you tell the app what to do in English. So like literally it says when the user clicks the button, then log them in. And it says that in English as opposed to you having to know like a computer language to tell the computer what to do. And so you created that or that already existed and then you used it for your first app? Great question. So there were some, there were maybe one or two tools that were out there when I first started that already existed. And so what I first did was I started using some of those tools. There's one called Bubble that was one of the early ones. And by the way, like this is totally possible to do with websites. Like you can drag and drop and make your own website, but it's newer with apps. So um, I found existing tools and then I started like helping people kind of unintentionally do it themselves because they were like, I want to learn how to do this too. Um, And I ended up doing a TED talk on my journey of building apps without code. And I got like so many, I call them like underdog entrepreneurs, particularly underdog tech entrepreneurs, like women, LGBT folks, people of color, people who don't code, like people who we don't typically see like running tech startups as much as we should, like emailing me saying, oh my gosh, can you show me how to do this? I want to do this too. So I sort of unintentionally started teaching people as well. And then you thought, let's make it a company? It sort of happened by accident. So what happened was I decided, okay, I'm going to help like five people launch their ideas. And because there were people just kept emailing me. And my, my answer was no for a long time. That wasn't <laughs> what I was trying to do. So I, I started helping people. And then I opened it up again and said like, hey, I'm available to help people again. And that time there were 70 people. And I thought like, oh my gosh, it's a thing. So if you fast forward to now, I'm running this school where we've helped 150,000 people launch, take like an idea that they have in their head. That would be really cool to be an app and like put it into the world. But that wasn't what I was like planning to do, like launching a school to teach people how to build apps. It just happened. But it's become like a very like lucrative business for you, right? This like business model of helping people make apps without coding. Yes, absolutely. Um, So the way that it works is we have two different offerings. One where we just teach you how to do it yourself and another one where we build the app for you and then teach you how to make your own changes to it. So either way, you have control and ability to not keep like dishing out money to a, to a developer. But those are the two different offerings that the business has and it's become like a really great business and also I get to help people every day. So it's awesome. What makes something a good app? So first of all, like it's not just good app. It's like good app for you to build. So sometimes I see people like coming up with ideas that they know like nothing about that industry. They want to do something totally random. So like that's the first thing. And I typically tell people to think about something that they do like for work or what they do for a hobby, something that's like hard or time consuming with something they already know something about. Because all of us have like a part of our job or part of our hobby. They're like, oh, this part sucks, but like I got to do this part manually or got to figure this out or the tool that I use now is not that great. And so those are the best places to start that make like we call it like product founder fit. Like it's the right product for you to build. And then I think on top of that, like there are ideas that just are good businesses, right? Like this is a problem people are willing to pay money for as opposed to like, this is a problem that only you have and no one else has this problem and no one's willing to pay for it, which those ideas exist too. But I think if you can cross those two hurdles, then it's a good idea. 
And what about if like that idea exists, right? Like you like there is an app out there, but like it's not that widely used or you you think you could do a better job. Like, is it still worth like not reinventing the wheel, but kind of like modifying it? No, like I actually think the best ideas are just modifying the wheel. Like if you look at, for example, Uber, right? Like people were already carpooling. They were already taxis that existed. They just sort of like, took, they were already black cars that existed. Like they just sort of took a model and sort of put, put a little spin on it. Or if you think about like Airbnb, for example, like people were already doing like subleasing and subletting on like Craigslist and these other sites. They just put a little spin on it. So I think typically people are looking for something that like doesn't exist anywhere else. And actually the best idea is take something and put a spin on it. And then like, if you find that someone's already doing something really similar to what you're trying to do, I also wouldn't be discouraged. Like if Uber and Lyft can both be these humongous companies, like there can be more than one of what you're thinking about too. And I think the question to ask yourself is like, what's the unique spin I want to put on my idea? And that unique spin could be like, it's for this specific audience and the needs that they have. It could be like it does these specific things and really focuses on that. But taking something that's already existing out there or like if you see something that already exists out there, you shouldn't get discouraged about it. There's usually room for multiple players in a space. What's the quality difference between someone coding versus an app that isn't coded? Oh, that's such a good question. Okay, so quality wise, there's not a difference. Here's why. Essentially, when you build an app without code, you're using a tool that's in the background writing the code for you. So when you drag and drop, it's turning your, you could think of it as like your design, your your PowerPoint presentation style design, although it looks better than a PowerPoint presentation, into the code in the background. You just don't have to worry about it. So quality-wise, it's the same. It's just you got like a dashboard on top. It's like you don't have to like reach into the car engine and like make things change. Like you've got a steering wheel instead, right? Um, And you've got gadgets and buttons and things to press and a stick shift. So it really just gives you that. So the quality isn't different. I've always been like curious, like there are these like huge companies and then their apps are terrible. Like, why is that? (laughs) (laughs) Like, did nobody test it? (laughs) So, okay. I usually see really terrible apps for two reasons. Sometimes I see terrible apps and they're just like so cluttered. Like, like you don't even know where to click to do a thing. Like personally, I feel like Facebook is like getting right up on that edge where like it just does so many things and there's so much going on that it just feels a little tacky to me. So sometimes there's just like, what is where there's like mm-hmm. too much. And just it's because no one's saying no, like, no, we're not mm-hmm. going to go in that direction. We're going to focus here. That's like any business, right? Where you decide you're going to do everything instead of focus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see that happen. And then I see just like stuff is like we call buggy. Like you click the button and the button just literally doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's another though. That's the other problem. Or like, I can't even find the button. Like where is so the, the button? Find the button, <laughs> find the button is the first problem of like it's just poorly designed. Like yeah. they did, like engineers made it, and this is actually like I think the cool opportunity for people who are not techie to make apps and products, right? Because you think like someone who is also not techie, so you know mm. like, it's better to just put the button big and at the bottom very clearly as opposed to making them click three times to find where the heck this thing is. Right. Um, and sometimes when engineers make stuff, they're thinking about like how an engineer would make it. OK, I have a sp- I have a spicy question that I'm cooking Ooh, in my yes. brain. Okay. OK, so the guy I'm dating is a software engineer. OK, 
from what he has explained to me, it's like these boot camps and it's like they make you do like white, what he called like whiteboard tests in the interview. And like, it's very high stress, like where you have to like solve code in front of people, like on a whiteboard. And like, it's this super competitive and like the jobs are getting even more competitive. Like the people that came out of his coding boot camp are having a harder time finding jobs than when he came out of it. And he, and so like with your thing, is it, is it a problem to have all these people who are typically not learning to code, just not learning to code, bypassing that versus, so they don't have the skill when they go in to maybe do this stuff or try to get these high paying jobs, or is it better to have like queer people, black people actually know coding? Does that make sense? Yes, it totally makes sense. Okay. I think it depends on the objective. So my, like the place where I specialize is helping entrepreneurs who want to launch a company. And I think if that's the case, taking one to two years to stop everything that you're doing, go learn to code when you're probably not going to be the main tech person. Like once the company gets bigger, you're probably not going to be the main tech person. You're probably going to be the CEO or, or some other role. Or you're the marketing person or you're something else. It doesn't make sense for you to take a big detour, go take a couple of years to learn to code, then come back and start the business. Like it could be like technology moves fast. So like you may have missed your window if you wait that kind of time period. I think if you're looking for a job, we're seeing the shift, right? But I think the majority of, of tech jobs are still coding jobs. Although I think that's changing. You now see like no code developer, no code engineer like popping up as jobs. So like in, in a handful of years, I think we'll see that change. But right now, if the objective is job, you should definitely learn to code. And if you're, that's your short-term objective, if the objective is like, I need to get a company out there, I have an idea that I want to get customers for, it makes a lot of sense to just get it out as quickly as possible and to do the no-code route. Or maybe it's easier to, for people who like a coding boot camp but would just be a bunch of white guys that you don't want to spend time with. You know, maybe it's easier for the, for like, it's more accessible. Does that make sense? I think it's definitely more accessible. Or if you're like, I'm not sure for sure that I want to do this, this direction. I want to like see and see if I like it. It's a really good way to do that. Or if you're like, I want to actually, my goal of this is to take on freelance clients and like make products and projects for freelance clients. And I want to get to that as quickly as possible. It's a really good route for that too. There's a shorter learning curve. To use your product, you mean? To use my product, to use other app building products. I sort of operate a school that teaches a lot of different products, but to like to essentially to learn how to to build apps without coding and without the need to code. So sometimes you're just teaching people how to then help other people instead of launch their own business. Like typically I teach people how to launch their own business, but sometimes what they do after that is like, like, for example, I have a student who launched her own app. And as she was launching her own app, people were emailing her saying like, hey, I have one app I want to build too. Since you have this skill set, can you make it for me? Mm-hmm. So it really opened up for another door for her. Yeah. Right. And I'm so curious, having worked at these big tech companies and now running yeah. a, a tech company yourself, like what have you taken from there and what have you redone? Like, how do you, like, what is, how do you run your business? Okay. This is a great question. So I took a couple things that I really liked from working at tech companies, but also some that I didn't like. So for example, working remotely was something like I've been working remotely full-time for eight years now. 
And the ability, even when I worked at those big tech companies pre COVID, it was common that like you would take a day or two of the week and work from home. So I definitely do that with my team. In fact, like when I launched my own company, the ability to have to just hire whoever was best, wherever they live, I don't Mm -hmm. care, but whoever was best really was an advantage because they didn't have to live in my city. So for if you look now, my team is in five different countries. There's 15 people, five different countries um, and all different. I don't think even in the States, anyone is in the same exact city. Mm. So everyone's distributed. And so I definitely took that. There's some things that I did not take with me, like some like toxic bro culture stuff that I was just like, I can't guys not here for it. (laughs) Um, Okay. So in my last nine to five job that I had, this was years ago, like I had a manager who would say things that were like really inappropriate and like he would make comments about like me, like the couch that I had, which everyone had like sort of seating and couch in their office. And he would make comments about like, oh, are you filming a video? Like referring to like a pornographic video. I'm like, no, everyone has a couch in their office, but just like weird stuff, like culture wise, like I don't bring on and hire people who act like that or would I like tolerate stuff like that. But like at big companies, like, stuff like that people act wild so things like that I did not take also like the idea of having balance I did not Mm. take so like Google is notorious for this of like we've got a big cafeteria and there's dinner and food and like the reason they're doing that is so you work late right if there's a cafeteria and dinner you'll stay there late um so there's actually not a lot of work-life balance the way that I structure my schedule this week is an exception because I moved my days around, but I work on Mondays and Thursdays. This week I was traveling on a Thursday, so I moved my Thursday to Friday. Gonna switch those days. And I encourage my team to like be on meetings and stuff as little as possible so you actually have time to like think and do. And then once you're done with that, like go take a walk, go to the park. Like once you got your work done, go hang. And this ability to like build a business where you have life balance and also where your team has balance, where you can like work when you want to, when you've got like your inflow, like I got an idea right now, like I want to work on it right now. And if it's like the middle of a weekend day, I don't care when you do it. If you decide on Monday, I'm not working during that time period because I'm not in flow, like that's also okay. And so I really foster that on my team too, about a sort of building reasonable schedules and ones that like support the life we want to live. Hi, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with our guest. And we're back. I want to talk about, okay, so what would be a definition of coding? And then everyone I surround myself with is in entertainment, except for this person I'm dating. And so it became this joke that like every time he like does something, like if he like moves a couch, we're like, is that coding? Are you coding right now? <laughs> like just anything that he does, like we're like, it was that a code. Um, so like what what is coding? And also like I think people have this idea that it's not creative, but it, it actually is kind of an art from it what is. I've witnessed. So what is coding and what makes it like creative? Can I guess what it is? Not yeah, knowing. Yes, yeah, okay. yes. Okay, my guess is that you enter a series of zeros and ones <laughs> into the computer to tell it to do different things. That's all that I know. Here's what here's what I've picked up from here's what I've picked up from six months with this guy. Okay, great. You say if something, then this, 
and you're trying to make things happen and you're also trying to figure and then you look at it and you go, did that happen? And then you're also trying to figure out if there's ways to make things happen faster and also to make sure that the code isn't just doing one thing, but maybe it's able to repeat or it's able to do multiple things. Um, and also that I'm not allowed to ever take a picture of him on his laptop because it might be proprietary information. That's what I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> and like get the screen. In the photo. Then I'm going to sell it to another company. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're in the business of doing. Right? I don't even know what it says. <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay. So I, I would describe coding. This is actually a really good question. I would describe coding as like giving the computer instructions on what to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Simply. With right? zeros and now, ones. No, it's like, it's like words. There's words. There's words. So you're not wrong about the zeros and ones. So like at the end of the day, a computer can understand like yes and no. Like that's the zeros and the ones, right? Like zeros, no, yes, one is, is yes. And so the code that gets written, it's like there's different languages, just like there's like English, Spanish, there's different languages. And so people are coding in that language, but the language gets translated to the computer as like zeros and ones. Yes, do this. No, do don't do that. Right. But you're coding in a language. Give examples of a couple of the languages because I think you learn different ones. JavaScript, Python. So people are like fluent in different languages. Yeah. What? What's interesting, though. So, so what's when you build the app without code, you're just using in regular English. There's no new okay. language for you to learn, you're, but you're still doing if this, then that. Like mm-hmm. it literally says, if the user clicks the button, then log them in. If the user clicks the button and the password they typed in does not match the password on file, then show the wrong password mm-hmm. sign, right? Mm-hmm. If this, then that. You're preparing for every possible contingency. Yes. Yes. So you do need to get a little bit creative or sometimes you want to think about like the order in which things happen, right? Mm-hmm. If you do all of the instructions at once, then it takes a long time for the computer to do the instructions, which means you have a product, an app or website that takes a long time to load because it's oh. doing all the instructions at once. So maybe you want to give it one at a time and maybe you want to do it at a certain speed and frequency so that it seems like it's loading really fast. But really, the first thing you saw load as fast and it's anticipating some of the things you're doing later. So we were thinking about like how to make like code efficient. There's this movie on Netflix that's about the founding of Spotify. I guess it's a show about the founding of Spotify. It's really good. Each episode is from a different perspective of a different member of the team. So the founder goes first and he like tells his story. And at the end of that episode, the record executive that like gave them the licenses to have the music is like that's not how it went like let me tell you how the story really went and his next episode is his story and at the end of his story the lawyer is like that's not how it went like they couldn't (laughs) have done this without me let me tell you how it really went so it's really fun there's an episode about the engineer and who who coded it all and one of the challenges being that if you like you I, this it reminded me how we used to have to like download the music and wait a long time for the whole song to buffer. And so instead of having the whole song load, you load little pieces of it at a time. When you do your search and you're searching for your favorite song based on the letters that you're searching, it'll start looking for like all combinations of that. So instead of having to have the whole library there, right there and process and load the whole library at once, 
If you type in the word M, it'll just start grabbing all the stuff with M. If you type in MA, it'll start grabbing just that. And so it's like doing these things that are creative. That was a creative solution to making it faster because based on what you were typing would start loading things faster or slower, for example. I have to say, I've said this for years. I find Spotify to be the best app I've ever interacted with. I feel like all the changes they make are changes I want. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm. it's so easy to use. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have bugs. I I like truly believe it is the best app. And have you, do you agree? <laughs> I think Spotify is really good. It's clean and simple, right? Like it's not doing too much. And it feels like it's instant. Like you hit the button, it ha- like it moves really fast, which was like a whole challenge that they talk about in the movie, like a whole challenge of how they get that. You can tell that there's someone there who has a product vision and is willing to say, no, mm-hmm. no, it's not good enough. No, it's not good enough. No, it's not good enough. All right, now you got it. Press publish. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the, the the fun and creative part about building your own apps and software is like you having this idea of how, like how it should be and really kind of saying like, okay, no, let's try it again. Let's try it again. Okay, this is perfect. Now let's see if, what customers think. Um, that's kind of some of the fun part of putting your ideas out into the world. And when they add new things, like new features, I'm never like, oh, you ruined it. Like, I feel like a lot of times, like Instagram, Instagram, just Instagram. will just like ruin things uh, all the time. Coming for Instagram's neck over here. Right. But like they're making updates. Nobody wants. They're just cha- It feels a lot of times like they're just changing things to change things yeah. because there's someone whose job it is to change things right. <laughs> instead of fulfilling a need. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about this, I'm looking up, I'm wondering if Instagram and Facebook, for example, operate profitably. Because one of the differences is that Spotify makes, like, does not operate profitably. And you can, like, there's a direct correlation to them, like, not overspending time thinking about features that are right for advertisers. Right. Like, that's where Instagram usually goes wrong. They're thinking so much about what's going to make, get the best click on an ad that they forget about what the user experience should be and what the users want. But they're making that money from it. Mm. Spotify has a different approach, which is like, we're going to be like, give the users what they want. And we're going to sort of recoup that revenue and that profit down the road, more to the profit down the road. But they're not overdoing the advertiser features that are not good for the customers, but the advertisers love. That makes total sense about who it's for, the user or the advertisers. That makes total sense. Instagram is now just building stuff for advertisers at this Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when you mean like if they operate profitably, like do you mean that like they're a subscription base or an ad base or like Spotify is not making any money? Oh, so meaning that they make more money than they spend. Mm. Okay. So you, Spotify is, is not doesn't make money? <laughs> It does not profit money. But a lot of tech companies don't. Like a lot of tech companies intentionally operate not profitably. That is like one of the things that I teach in my Apps Without Good Bootcamp program is like how to get a business model that does operate profitably. But a lot of times tech companies say, we're not going to worry about profit right now. We're going to spend just as much as we make or we're going to spend more than we make. And that's okay because we're going to take on lots of investors and give away percentages of the company and raise a lot of money. But like we're okay with that Um, and we'll figure it out later down the road. That's what Amazon did. Yeah, right. A lot of people that want to start their own app business don't have that luxury. A lot of what I call like underdog entrepreneurs and tech entrepreneurs don't have that luxury. And so you do want to think about how to make a great user experience, but also a business model that works. How long is your boot camp? 
it's eight weeks. So it's an eight week training program and you come out of it not only having a built app, but also like the business strategy and the marketing strategy around it for getting customers. And do you ever say to someone like someone's like, here's my idea. It's Airbnb, but for tiny little holes in the ground and you dig a hole in the ground and someone spends whatever, you know, and and you're like, um, like it's okay. So it's Verbo for for coffins. And you're like, no, like, do you ever have people where you're like, I can't. And the dog drives the car and you're like, okay, so. (laughs) Yes. So sometimes people give me ideas that are just like physically like not possible. Like the dog drives the car, like something where just like technology, the dog drives the app or like something that like is not likely to be done. That I will just say, like, we're not there on the technology (laughs) for the dog driven clicking. Like, but here's what we can do. Um, so I we totally give that feedback. We're not there because sometimes I say stuff's not possible and then a technology comes out that makes it possible. So like, we're not there yet. Let's just say that. Right. How far do you think we are from letting the dogs drive the cars? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And then sometimes I, I get ideas where it's a niche that's like, I'm not part of that niche. So like, at a, like an example, there's a difference, I think, between like Airbnb, but for like holes in the ground where like maybe there's not like any market at all for that or like Airbnb for dogs where like people love like people love pets. And like, well, I may not be like, ha- like have a dog, like yeah. there's a market for that. And so it doesn't have to, like I don't have to be the customer. If there is a, a group of people that love yeah. this and it would be down for it, like our job is to go and I give folks a process for going to find out, like, is anybody willing to pay for this? Yeah. Here's what you say to them. Here's how you find them. And that's one of the first things we do in the program. It doesn't matter if I think it's a good idea or not. Like there's lots of cool startup ideas that someone thought was dumb. Some yeah. like the idea of a stranger getting into the backseat of your car and riding around the city with you sounds like a dumb idea, <laughs> but like it works. So it's not really for me to say. I'm sure there's apps for like, like black women or like, you know, there's this trans dating app or yeah. like certain things or like even like games that would be good for people with disabilities or whatever it is like that come to you yeah. that you, you're like, I don't know, but seems like you might know. Exactly. Like, I think those are the, those are the best ideas where you know something about like this specific target demographic, you know, something about the problems that these people have. And it could be like things that you do for your hobby, as I was saying, things you do for work things of your dem- like you relate to your demographic and challenges that they have. And you're like, I, I got a solution for this. I think this would be better for me. It's not my job to say if it's good or bad, but it's just my job to give you the framework to go make sure that other people think it'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. And not everybody has to think it's interesting, but enough people to sign up and, and, and pay for it. Well, Verbo for coffins is coming to you soon. Oh <laughs> <laughs> and I do really want, okay. I, I think people would steal the dogs, but I do really want a way for like if my dog is at my house and I'm somewhere else and I miss him, I want an Uber where the dog, someone will drive my dog to me. Okay. Well, then you just need an assistant. <laughs> you just need a personal assistant. No, just for someone to bring my dog to me. Okay. So I have another question, which is like how much of your app becoming successful is luck? Like, you know, have you ever seen someone come out of your boot camp and it is an incredible idea? It's a great app, you, uh, something filling a, a need that hasn't been filled and it like is a total dud. Like, 
you know, like how much of this is like, oh, a great idea will rise above versus like sometimes it's luck and like who, you know, a good chunk of business is about luck. And but I would wrap that up into like timing too, right? Like MySpace is a great example of this where just like the th- the timing was a little bit better right after for Facebook. Now, like Facebook made lots of really good moves that made it work, but like some of it is timing too. So there is luck in business. That's part of it, right? Are you at the right place at the right time? Did you find the right type of customer? That's true for like all business, but I think the majority of it is work and work ethic because you can try like different timing, different types of customers, different features. Like if you have the commitment to stay at it, you will like arrive at the right combination of things, the right timing of things, you'll arrive at that. So some of it is just like work ethic and persistence. And I think that's true for any business. But that's also kind of a privilege to be able to keep working at something. A thousand percent, a thousand percent. And this is why like I I work with a lot of folks who just like don't have the privilege or the time or even maybe sometimes the interest in like the one to two years to work at learning to code before they actually get it in front of people. They need to know like, are people going to pay for this? Can I get it built? How quickly can I get there? Because I need it to generate revenue. Right, right. Within like, you know, three months or whatever, otherwise. Because I don't have savings to just try to do this for three years with no, you know, with no income. Right. It's like start of the pandemic, you like you're you created Zoom versus start of the pandemic. You created like come over and hug me dot com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm full of ideas. <laughs> On that note, would you like to play a game show? If game show, then game show. <laughs> if game show, then say yes. Yes, I want to play okay, game perfect. show. So how this game works is that you and Gabe will be my contestants. I'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations. You can ask any clarifying questions that you may have in JavaScript. And then <laughs> let me... I'm going to use CSS. <laughs> and then let me know what you would do in that situation. It's a bit okay. of a buggy game because sometimes I give a winner and sometimes I don't. So the user experience changes game to game. Get in the flow, baby. This is good. You're iterating. (laughs) Okay. So our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Your partner of 17 years reveals that for the first month that you were dating, they were still living with and in a relationship with their ex, but they never told you because they knew they were going to marry you the moment they met you. And just needed to get themselves out of their other relationship. Are we married now? Yeah. You've been together for 17 years and you've been married for 15. Would you stay with this cheater? That whole month, that whole first month they were living with and in a relationship with their ex. Sounds pretty queer, honestly. This seems like (laughs) the lesbian experience. Um, And the amount of people that I've, but they've been broken up or like iffy. The amount of people that I've dated who are like, so I still live with my ex. It's a weird situation. No, but you didn't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And Ugh. the ex and the ex didn't know about you and thought they were still and you know they were still in a full blown relationship. I have a clarifying question. They were living with that person. Were they dating them when they were living with them, or they were just no living? dating? Like it's like you. They were like in a long term relationship with this person. They met you. They went, oh my god, I'm gonna marry her instead. 
But then they took a month to break uh, up and get out of that. And relationship. we are dating during that time. Yeah, and you where had no, did, and you had no idea. Where did I think they lived? Well, sometimes in that first month, you know, you don't necessarily go to someone's home. You don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right there. Okay, I think I have my answer. I think the thing that changed this for me was the seventeen yes. years. Yeah. I know. So 17 years in, if I haven't seen that behavior repeat itself, then I would not break up with them. I'm assuming that they then broke up with them, yeah. right? Like they're not, wait, I don't discover that they're actually still 17 years. No, with no, that no. <laughs> okay. It was just that first month. Yeah. I, I think people like screw stuff up and like it's part of being human. So I would have for like, I would be forgiving of that, particularly since I saw 17 years of like reasonable ethical behavior. That's my answer. What's yours? Does the ex think, oh, they're together, but they cheated with this person and now they're together? The ex just like thought that they broke up and then they kind of lost track of your current partner because they they have healthy coping skills. (laughs) Okay, then I'll stay. As long as no one was traumatized, I'll stay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think that's the right answer. I think we all stay. But then you bring it up a lot. Yeah. As a goof. Like when it's like, oh, I wish we had ice cream, but there's no ice cream in the house. Hey, remember when you cheated on me for a month? <laughs> and then they have to go get you the ice cream. For a short period of time. And then like after that, it's a little toxic. Well, no, it's toxic the whole time. Yeah, okay, but you could get right, a lot right. of ice cream. <laughs> okay. All right. Next game. Are you a terrible parent? Your child, 17, doesn't want to go to college because they want to be a stand-up comedian. Immediately, no. The only problem is that you don't find them to be funny at all. So you tell them that if they can genuinely make you laugh every day for one month, you will support their decision and even help them pay rent as they get started as a comic. They only make you laugh four times in one month so they go to college. Are you a terrible parent? Yes. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Yes, if. I'm thinking about my own. Here's where I think it's important. I'm thinking about my own scenario where I went to college and my parents went to college. I'm not the first in my family to do this like generational shift, which typically happens when someone goes to college, right? So what that means is I kind of have access to the socioeconomic kind of like basics of what happens when you go to college. So for me, what that means is like, for me, it feels less important to me that my kid go to college, Mm. right? Because like, for example, like I can, like, this is like the real life of what happens is like generations get more education and more access, right? Like I can introduce them to a friend who is a comedian or knows someone who's a comedian and they can go intern with like uncle so-and-so and and, like learn that skill set. So it's less important to me for them to go to college. And this is what I worked my butt off to have access to. So my parents worked their butt off to have access to. And so I think in that scenario, it feels less important that they go to college and more important that they develop their like self-expression and like there's less at stake. So I would, Mm -hmm. I would not, force them to do that and in my life and scenario would consider that me being bad parenting if they did not have access to any of those resources then i think you gotta go do that for the team and go get your own resources immediately no i raised a child who wants to be a stand-up comedian 
Wait, so you think you are a terrible parent? Yeah, I'm a terrible parent. I I, I raised a kid who wants to be a stand-up comic. That's disgusting. <laughs> absolutely not. They're absolutely disowned. They could do literally anything else, and I would not disown them. <laughs> okay. They're well, disowned. that's a weird takeaway from this. They are disowned. I don't think they have to go to college, but they have to. they have to choose some other career path. I hope that somehow you have a child and they become a comic. No, it's just it's just a bad it's just it's just toxic. It's a bad situation. It's I don't think so. Okay. I I I don't think so. Okay. I would ra- I would literally rather they become like like a beat poet or like someone who makes art from unconventional materials. Like I don't need them to like make money, like they can be creative or whatever, but I stand up comedy. I have to draw the line somewhere. So wouldn't you say then you're a good parent here because they didn't end up doing that and they went to college instead? What do they major in? Comedy? No! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well they can like, like writing or like the comedic classics, you know, like a Shakespeare, right? I don't know. Right, Allison? They went to Galveston at NYU where you can create your own major and they majored in stand-up comedy. Not not my child. I'm sorry, I won't allow it in my home. Fine, <laughs> fine. If my kid became a Republican, I'd kick them out. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'd say, oh, you think life's a meritocracy. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about a stand-up comedian. That's how I feel. Like, you think this is something that's going to happen because you no, you don't think generational wealth does anything. Have a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Figure it out. That's good. Yeah. I love that boomers are like, you're queer. Get out of my house. And we're like, we're like (laughs) millennials being like stand up comedy Republican. You're not my kid anymore. I'd let my kid be a comic, but they'd have to be a respectful comic. And what are the odds of that? I don't know. Anyway, okay, our final game. Would you forgive this liar? You were always told that you had to give your childhood dog away because it bit your sister. But one night, your sister gets drunk and tells you that the dog never bit her. She just told everyone it did because she didn't want to have to walk it anymore. Would you forgive this liar? This feels like a definitely like maybe forgive years later, but definitely not forget. And Mm -hmm. the 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 forgive would really be more for me than for them. Like I gotta like I gotta let this go because this is ridiculous. It feels like a forgive, not forget kind of situation. Like this is one where I'm bringing it up. Are you the oldest? I'm in the middle. I'm but I'm definitely bringing it up. I would I would neither forgive nor forget. (laughs) What's the thing from the hills? I'm forgive and forget. No, I'll forgive, forgive you, you and I'm like, going to forget and you. And I'm going to forget you. Oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm also in the middle. Okay, so did they put the dog down? They gave it to another family. So the dog lived. In theory. Right. Put the dog down sounds rough. That's a That feels rougher. If they put the dog down, I would never, never speak to my sibling. Never forgive, him. for sure. Never. I thought that if a dog bit a child, you would have to put that dog down. Uh, it depends. It depends on who's who's looking over your okay, shoulder. So the dog lived hypothetically. Would my sister have done this? No, it, 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 they they did in this hypothetical. I, there's just so many things Cheyenne's done that at this point, if that's the last straw, you know what I mean? <laughs> like what? That's that's the that's the one that broke the camel's back. Like no, I would forgive. Wow, because you don't value animals' lives. 
I do. I just think, you know what? She's she's done a lot of other stuff. I can't let this be the last one. Wow. <laughs> okay. It would be something else over this. Listen, I could run down a list of what that it's my younger sister who I am some somehow is also my teenage daughter. And it's like it's it's rough. <laughs> it's rough out there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm a single I'm a single parent to a 31 year old. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> All right. So we all have different answers on this one. Yeah. Yeah. From forgiving to medium to just never speak to them again, which is me. If they put the dog down, I would I would not speak to them for like months. That really changes the answer here. It changes it. Definitely. Awful. Wow, we all learned a lot. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Thank you so, so much for joining us. This was so wonderful. Where can people find out more about you and your company and join your workshops and boot camps? Yeah. So my website is appswithoutcode.com. And you can find me personally on social media, mainly Instagram and Twitter at Tara Reed, R-E-E-D underscore. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about gender reveal parties and murder. No. Just between us, it's time for topics. X, 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 baby, baby, Bubby. Ooh, Bubby, like a grandma. You said it's baby. like Christopher Walken saying baby. <laughs> <laughs> baby. Here's my gender reveal no titties. Woo! Absolutely no titties. Are you so happy about it? I'm so happy. Wow. First of all, shirts that didn't fit fit again. Mm-hmm. Nice. Second of all, Look, I mean, it's like, it just looks better. It was so silly that I had boobs. It was, when I opened the door, it was like shocking in a way that I didn't expect. Like I knew you had it done, but then I forgot. And but then when I opened the door, I was like, oh, they're gone. Yeah. I find it not shocking at all. It wasn't, I just didn't think that I just wasn't thinking about it. It, it, I didn't think it would, I would notice, you know, but when I opened the door, I would honestly. No, my sister had had the same thing. I hadn't thought about it that much, but when I opened the door, I was like, oh, like it, stood out it changed to me. it changed a lot right like this is like this is correct like it changed to be like ah here we are okay maybe it's because you've been wearing you had been wearing binders. like binders yeah. and so maybe if you had gone from you circa 2016 to this yeah. i would have been but I, yeah like i don't know i adjusted to it immediately since 2016 you had a reduction too right? i had a reduction in 2018 oh yep and then I don't feel that it really does anything, TBH. But I guess I can't remember my boobs before that. Um, you were happy at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, also, did I tell you this? That the doctor, God bless him. He's tried so hard. But um, that did I say already that he told me that I had enough fat for three boobs? Yeah. Yes. And so now, so just as a, just to keep, keep it real with you guys and mm-hmm. to keep, and to be, you know, sort of humble and sort of real, mm-hmm. um, there is a bit of a dog ear in the middle of the left one. Like there's a little extra skin that's going to have to go. So it didn't, the scarring looks great. The scarring looks great. The nipples, great. The nipples do look very good. Aren't they? He really, yeah. he really said whole punch. Yeah. So, but there is like a little, little flap of fat right in the middle, which, you know, no big deal. Whatevs. How quickly did you get rid of that? Are you, I don't know. A few months. Yeah, Is it something probably. you're in a hurry to get rid of? 
I'm just happy to be here. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like the little flap. I'm like, all right. But like, also he goes, he was like, well, you know, he didn't really notice the flap at first. But when I first got the bandages off, he a week after he was like, well, yeah, like, I know it looks a little weird now, but if you start doing uh, push-ups, you know, it'll, and I was like, okay, first of all, I didn't think it looked weird. And second of all, like it was, he was like, you start doing push-ups, it'll really fill out. I was like, thanks. I guess. Are you planning to do a bunch of push-ups? I was not planning to do push-ups, but I guess now I am. Wow. But yeah, it's very. You can start working out with me after we record. Okay. Go back to my gym. Okay. Also, I got a massage from the woman I usually get massages from. And she was like, oh, the testosterone is like your muscles are bigger. Mm, I don't know. Really? If she, I don't know if she's just lying. But <laughs> she did. They can tell, though. Yeah. She's like, your calves feel different. And I was like, really? I literally like because like I was getting a massage one time and the guy was like, oh, are you a cheerleader? And I was like, yeah, like they can tell by yeah. the way that your muscles are like the changing and stuff. So, yeah. Oh, wow. This just looks regular. Like, I'm like, thank you. This is what I was. This is what I was. Going in my for. mind looked like, you know, so pretty exciting. So that's my gender reveal. What were we what were we supposed to be talking about? <laughs> so, you know, my opinions around gender have changed so much in like the last 10 years or whatever, where I used to think about it. So in such a binary and like has something that really mattered and like mm-hmm. all this stuff. And like I would always be like, oh, I don't want a boy. If I had a kid, I wouldn't want a boy. I just want a girl and all this stuff. And like. I would I would make these jokes like if I had a boy I'd, I would I would give him away, <laughs> you know, and um, and now I'm like well gender you know I I still obviously like in the fact that like there are trans people and like yeah, people yeah. like I strongly identify as a woman and like all like I don't think gender doesn't exist or that like it doesn't matter but I do think this like overemphasis on like what a little baby is is. Disgusting. Yeah, like like my thoughts around it have changed so much. And so like, I just feel like gender reveal parties in 2023 are just like not with it. It doesn't matter because you're not going to end up, you might not end up with what you think you have. Also, on top of that, I hate how people like cheer or root for Mm -hmm. a certain gender or they're Mm -hmm. making bets on what the gender Mm -hmm. is going to be or people getting angry about it mm-hmm. yeah like none of that matters it's also so weird to put on a baby where they'll be like oh a lot of girls in the house daddy get the shotgun yeah. i'm like your baby's a lesbian shut the fuck up <laughs> put it on a shirt your baby's a lesbian <laughs> and i don't care like it's just so weird to or like or like oh my little gentleman and i'm like that i don't know i just find it so strange to be so like, how about you raise your kid based on what they like? Yeah. Or what they're interested in. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny because my mom with my transition, my mom has had a bit of a harder time with it. She's not going to like that. I said that, but it is true. And she was sort of like, but there wasn't any like you were a really feminine child. Like there wasn't any clues or anything. Mm. And I was like, to you, I mean, to me, like in my private mind, there definitely were. But also like, well, my my real I didn't say this to her, but in my mind, I was like, yeah, I'm a gay guy. (laughs) Like when when you're a little kid and you're playing in your mom's makeup and hair, but like in your mind, you're a boy. You're just a little you're just a little gay boy. But also it doesn't matter because I think there is this thing of like performing gender 
how society sees you should as a child. And then if you're like older and trans, people are like, well, but where were the clues? And I'm like, what? It doesn't matter. Like, don't go back to when I was a kid and start analyzing. Like if I played with trucks, like chill out. Also, when I was a kid, I was what people consider like a tomboy, which is not the correct term anymore. But now I feel very like much like a woman. Like I don't I don't see any. It's more just like interest. Like I don't see what the correlation is. All the all the girls in my it's funny because I was part of this group of female friends and there were all these girls in my school and everything. And all the girls that got made fun of for being lesbians and because they like played softball or wore their hair up too often or whatever, like all the ones where people would be like, oh, that person's a lesbian. They're a lesbian. And I even found in one of my journals, I was like, this girl's a lesbian. And like, I didn't even know what that meant. I just was like using it as a pejorative. All of those sort of mask girls, I look them up now. They're all straight. They're all married to men, like none of them. And then meanwhile, me, like my little like, you know, whatever, pigtail, whatever the fuck (laughs) was a trans guy. Like, and then I'm like, oh, man, you, you just you just don't like when you're young, it's like you just don't know. And like we I really would like I want to go apologize to that one softball girl that everyone said was a lesbian. Because I never made fun of her. She was a friend of mine. But like, I was like, oh, wow, the it was really hiding in plain sight. You know, you can't know. So if you have these gender reveal parties, you're acting like, you know, stuff you can't know. So I've been wondering lately if I were to have children. Yeah. Do you have do you have to give your child a gender neutral name? But what is a gender neutral name? Because how come girls can be called Jordan or Shane or whatever? And you never see a boy named Rebecca. Hmm. Or you never see, start calling boys Heather. <laughs> that used, didn't it? Heather used to be. I know like. Um, I think Heather used to be a masculine There's name. like really? names that used to be masculine. Yeah, that like aren't anymore. Like what, but gender, I hate that gender neutral means male. Okay, so like if I like named it my baby Sarah. Yeah. That doesn't, that's okay. Yeah, because then you just, they just change it. You know, they might even like in. They might go by a middle name. They might go. You can't control it. Like my parents named me Gabrielle. And then by the time I got to second grade, like the teacher and the other kids started calling me Gabby. My parents never liked Gabby. They didn't want me to be called Gabby, but it stuck. Like you have you don't have control over like my parents don't like that. I went by Gabby for so long. Oh, wow. so like it. Um, you know, you don't have control over what you ends just up like happening. allow them yeah. to change it if yeah. they don't like it. There was I this- used to make people call me queen, you know, there's <laughs> a- <laughs> yeah, there's a girl in my school that was um, named Jillian and in fifth grade, she was like, everyone call me Zeke. And we were like, okay, like, you know, names are just a government official thing that you can eventually have changed. But if you, you have want to be. To open like if your kid comes to you and if sarah comes to you and is like i want to go by george you have to be like got it george Mm, mm -hmm. you just can't be like super married to the name you know got it all right your name actually i'm looking at a list your name actually allison used to be a man's name yeah Mm -hmm. there have been men named allison yeah yeah but it was majority to 1942 the majority of people were named allison were male until 1942 very interesting i always like dana for a boy Oh, yeah. Dana or Kelly. I mean, Dana was another one that was. Yeah. It changed in 1956. It stopped being the majority male. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. Or like names in different languages, like the director, Michelle Gondry. It's just French for Michael. Mm -hmm. 
Or like Gabrielle is still French for Gabriel. Mm -hmm. If you were to have a child, would you find out what gender they were before they were born? No, I'd probably make the room kind of like yellow or green or something just to like not sort of. But like, who knows? I mean, I, I don't think I would. I don't. To me, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But I'll probably see it on the ultrasound, you know? Like, yeah. like, would you tell the doctor, hey, don't tell me? Or would you just I find just, out? It, I don't think if they tell me, they t- like, I don't they think I would ask say. If they ask if yeah. you want to know, though. It's so like, what would you I'd say? Be, I don't I'm, care. I'm just nosy. I'd be like, yeah, I don't tell care me. is not an answer. They'd say, do you want to know or not? I don't care is an answer. Might be not be the me. answer you want, but it's an answer. <laughs> yeah. I would, and uh, then it's just on the doctor if they tell you or not. I'd say tell me because I like, I'm nosy and I want to know the goss. <laughs> but like, it wouldn't, I mean, I don't know, Cheyenne, it's also funny because Cheyenne, my sister is so feminine now and is like so into her like femininity and stuff. And she was a little tomboy. Yeah, that's how I feel too. She was, she had short hair, she wore backwards caps. She was obsessed with camouflage and the army for a while. And like all of her bedroom was like, was camouflage. Like it looked like a boy's bedroom. And she had all that stuff. And my, so like, but she didn't end up trans. I did. So you can never know. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. My room's theme was like unicorns. I wanted to paint. I'm a gay guy. (laughs) I wanted to paint my room black. But that's less to do with gender and more to do with depression. Yeah, that's mental illness, girly. (laughs) What? Do you still want to do that? No, no. My parents never let me paint my room black, but I definitely wanted to. Do you want to know a problematic thing about me? Sure. So in high school, we moved to a new smaller house. And because we are moving to a smaller house, because my dad didn't have a job, we moved to a smaller house. And so my mom was like, you guys can do whatever you want to your rooms. And I don't, I can't, I don't know why. I can't figure out why. I have no explanation for this. This was not an interest of mine in any way. My room in high school was Chinese. What? What does that mean? It means I had red. I had artwork that was like Chinese letters. I had sheets that were like red, like that sort of like, you know, the, the Chinese shirt kind of pattern, silky pattern. With like, with like that, with like that kind of art on it. I had like little like tchotchke things that were, the theme of the room was China. Wow. (laughs) I'm not Chinese. But when Stefani says that she's Japanese, so it's like the same thing. Nobody in my family was Chinese. There was no, the art, I had artwork that was like Chinese letters. I had like, the entire theme of the bedroom was China and it, you could you could be waterboarding me and I would still not have an answer for why. I don't remember. Maybe you just thought it was beautiful and you didn't understand cultural appropriation yet. Literally can't explain it. Cheyenne and I talk about it all the time where I'm like, remember when my bedroom was China themed in high school? And Cheyenne's like, what was that? Huh. Cancel me. That's so bizarre. <laughs> and I have no explanation for it. And I'd like to apologize. Well, you just yeah. did. Meanwhile, mine was just boy bands. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Me too. I had a whole, yeah. Way past when I wanted the posters to be up, but I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to chip the paint. <laughs> we, we moved so much, so I just took mine down. Well, my big, I think I've shared this, but I had a Backstreet Boy wall. Ah. And I ranked all of my favorite Backstreet Boys in ascending order or descending order. Well, this was what the problem was. My top one was Brian. Of course. Most problematic now. 
Really? I've not. Oh, he is very QAnon. Oh, no. But he was my favorite, too. Okay, but then I had a dream about Nick. Mm. And then Nick became my number one because of this dream. But he was placed in the number two spot. I always liked AJ. Bad boy. I went for the bad boy every time. Yeah. But he carries that group vocally. (laughs) He does. He does. He does most of the same. Okay. Can I also say a controversial thing? Wow. This is canceled corner. I think JC should have been the breakout star for NSYNC. Mm -mm. Nope. Mm Mm-mm. Are you I, kidding I, me? I am a Justin Timberlake no, stan. Absolutely not. And, really? And JC hardcore, carried hardcore. that band. No. He did up until a point, until I'll tell you the moment that he stopped carrying the band. When? It was in Bye 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 when Justin drops down on through the ceiling. Yeah. And then uh, that was the moment. No. That was the I moment don't even it know changed. What JC looks like. He's the hot one. And he's the second hottest one, I'll say. And I also really loved Lance, I even loved, though I think Lance yeah. was barely singing. I loved, no, Lance has a very deep, deep voice, voice, so yeah. he was doing a lot of the harmonizing. But it was, I was JC up until that moment I just described. No. Yeah. JC licking the floor during the MTV Awards. Um, when disgusting. Before, no, Turn sexual off. awakening. Turn Absolutely off. not. I do not need anybody Someone, licking the floor. I'm disgusted. Okay, guys, please write in. I know. Who, a lo- write listen, in. Who listen. carried NSYNC? No, I'm saying in the last two years, there's Fine. been a turn. Yeah. And I blame TikTok for it, that Fine. everybody is now hardcore going for JC. But it wasn't like. What's like, his name? JC Chazé. He's in NSYNC? What? Well, this thing was saying he was in Backstreet Boys. No, he wasn't. What? No, he's I not. don't know. Oh, my God. So you, this is this is the level. Like you and I are arguing the intricate vocals, and Allison's like, he was an insane. <laughs> no. I, I I agree. He was. He carried them up until they became very very hmm. like in the last the last album. He hmm. carried them up to the last album, and then after that, it was just hmm. Justin. I mean, and who's the best now in personality? It's Lance. <laughs> yeah, but I still love Justin. I. That I once, ha- I once had a, a man woo me that... by buying me Justin Timberlake tickets. And then he wrote me a whole letter that had different Justin Timberlake. Like the letter was different. When was Justin this? Timberlake lyrics. Uh, eight years ago ish. You t- you right now, as we sit here, are a Justin Timberlake. Always stand. have been. Well, not always. I Up until the, when that moment happened. This is shocking. Do I get flack about it? Yes, but... Do you think that he cheats on his wife? No, because there's a clause in there saying that if he cheats, then she gets everything. What? Yeah. But there were those photos. There were those photos. They were holding hands. Big whoop. Wow. wow. An you're, apologist. You're, 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 I'm just saying there's literally a clause in their marriage that if he, if he cheats, then she gets everything. Wow. Maybe they're I open. would put that in my prenup that I get phantom. If yeah, you have to. That I get phantom. Are you putting that in there? I now I will. Yeah. <laughs> no, the I other... get phantom. I already said this. If he <laughs> leaves, I get phantom because I was supposed to have phantom anyway. So if he was never around, then I would have got phantom. No, he would have gone to that weird family that we never met. This is crazy because okay, I actually also uh, me and some friends got tickets to see Janet Jackson. Oh, in... I loved it. Very first concert I ever went to as a young child. Do you know the Rhythm Nation dance? I mean, I can do a little two-step to it, but I can't do the whole dance. So I'm in a group. 
if if I need to learn it for something, let me know and I will. Because I'm in a group chat and mm-hmm. it's it's everyone who's going to see Janet Can Jackson I go and our friends. Can I yeah. join, please? Yeah. Well, we did. It. We had woke up early to the presale. Damn. And it's our group of friends. And it's everyone in the group that wanted to go see Janet Jackson. And that group is all black women. And then me and my friend CJ, who uh, were both white trans masks. And all the girls were sending videos of them doing the Rhythm Nation dance, like by heart, as if like this was something that everybody. Are they um, older? Older. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, because that came out like we were like babies when that one happened so if they're older that makes sense it was it was as if there was some sort of assignment that went out that like i missed that makes sense (laughs) no but i think it's because they're older maybe because like when that video dropped it was a huge thing yeah they all did the dance and then me and cj were just in the chat being like yes work (laughs) but yeah jenna jackson was my first concert when i was like nine years old velvet rope tour yep that's and, what this that's what this chat is called. And um <laughs> it was a lot. I me and my well, our whole family, we dressed all in all denim clothing. <laughs> and her husband at the time, uh Renee, saw me and my sister. Because like my youngest sister would have been Melanie would have been what three, four at the time. And um he brought us her autograph. <gasps> like each of us a picture. And then I was, you know, Arlen. Yeah. She wrote in her book that he brought her something, too. So this was something that he did. Oh, my God. We're talking about Arlen Hamilton. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so funny. So how so, wow, there are two wolves inside of you. One is Justin Timberlake and one is Janet Jackson. Oh, yeah. And I mean, think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. This is this is why I like this show. (laughs) In my head, I'm like, yeah, we'll cut all this. No, <laughs> absolutely not. We are not. We are not cutting this. Mm-mm. Your baby is born and it's a Justin Timberlake or it's a Janet Jackson. And you're sitting getting the ultrasound and you're like, they're like, do you want to know the gender? You of the tell baby? me Justin you or Janet. You tell me Justin or Janet. Okay, actually, I'll go with that. Yes. 100%. <laughs> what do we rate this episode? I rate it 99 out of 98 learning what coding is. I'll rate it. 74 out of 59 texting your friends to hang out. Mm. All right. At 50 out of 40, Justin is the best thing that ever happened to NSYNC. Right in. To right the in. world. Wow. Right in. It's JC. Thank you so much to our guest, Tara Reed. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabe Dunn. Produced by Melissa Diamond Montz. Edited by Coco Lorenz. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Also, you can follow this podcast at Just Between Us Pod on TikTok and at JBU Podcast on Instagram. Also, I'm on Instagram now at Gabe S. Dunn. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Raskin. And on TikTok at, at Allison Raskin Baby. And I'm on TikTok as Dabby Gun. So branding's going really well over here. Yeah, good luck finding us. Forever.